I know I need to size up with you. And when I defang the viper, trust me, ain't gonna come from nowhere. Jeff, I already put you out. I don't even know why you're out here right now. Keep on talking. Hey, 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 do me a favor. Why don't you act like this is an AA meeting and you shut your mouth while I'm sharing with the group? And Mustafa, you out here, a boy among men. And I'm gonna tell you what. You got lucky at the Rumble, so I know you're gonna come out here and run your mouth about how bad you are. But let me give you a little bit of a reality check. You see, Mustafa, you said that my eyes don't lie. Well, your eyes don't lie either, because last week, they were closed real tight when I put your simple ass to sleep. And AJ, hey man, be honest with me. How's our old girl Wendy doing? side question too because you mentioned uh mma a couple times and, and there is a big event coming up here pretty soon i don't know what number they're on but i am tracking that there's three big championship matches and i'm, I'm just curious here i'll just get get you talking a little bit about that um israel asanya is going against jan black blackowitz for the uh light heavyweight championship the championship john jones had uh held and you know basically was was known for for so long um like, what are your your thoughts on on him uh, going for that uh, particular belt? I know we're kind of I'm taking it a little bit, but I feel like you know I can have fun with you on this one. Um, what I don't know, just just what's your thoughts on that? Because I'm looking forward to that event. So you know, me I, I'm a Nigerian as well, and you know Israel's Nigerian, and so it's kind of nice to see you know him having all the success. So I'm really excited about it. I'm sometimes terrified though watching his fights because I'm like I do not want to see this dude get knocked out, and then I got to tell my dad like Yeah, he got knocked out. It's over. The run's over. So I'm you know fingers crossed every time he gets into a fight. But what are your thoughts on him? Just the overall the character that he's put together, you know, in UFC and just this, you know, moving up a weight class to try to become light heavyweight champion. You, you put me in a, in a rough spot there, Hafiz, because uh -oh. uh, I, I, I hate to say it. I'm not a fan of Israel right there. I, I gotta be honest with you. No. And I, I appreciate, I appreciate what he has done. I'm not taking anything away from his yeah. talent as a fighter. I think he's a talented fighter. Yeah. I think he's a great dynamic striker, but I don't like his personality. I don't, yeah. I don't like the persona. Um, okay. I don't like the fact that he did not go after that fight with John Jones. Um, mm. so I think that is a money fight. And I think that there is some truth to the fact that he's ducking Jones. Uh, again, mm. I'm not even the biggest fan of John Jones, but I, I like him more than Izzy because. Uh, Jones, as of late, has become uh, a little more honest, and uh, he wasn't for the longest time. I mean, I hated John Jones when he was against uh, Daniel Cormier, but yeah. he's a little more honest, I find, in wanting to actually have that fight with Izzy. Um, mm. Maybe it's an easy fight for him. I, I actually don't think it's an easy fight for him because I think Izzy actually has talent. But all that to say, I, I don't like that he makes the sudden move after Jones is out of the picture moving up to heavyweight. Um, I, I, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I love Kamaru Usman. Like, mm -hmm. like he's 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 my boy uh, Kamaru. I recognize he was a great talent from yeah. well before he was even touching the the title scene. You yep. know, and he's a he's a great Nigerian Nigerian born. Yep, yep. And uh, I mean, the first time I saw him fight, I saw his fight with uh, Leon Edwards, who I also think is a great fighter in the welterweight yeah. division. 
And, you know, people wanted to say, oh, well, you know, Kamaru, bit of a boring fighter. He grapples too much. Well, I can respect that style. I can respect the sprawl and brawl where you're a top-level wrestler and you use that to throw guys off their game so you can land your bombs on them. Um, all that to say, Izzy and Jan Blakowicz, uh, I don't see that going in Izzy's favor. I mean, mm. any fight is a toss-up. Anyone can land that one magical punch and it's lights out. Yeah. I just think that looking at the fight between Yoel Romero, uh, who I'm also a very big fan of, and Israel Adesanya. That was not good. The start of that fight, yeah. Romero lands that big bomb on Izzy, and then it becomes leg kicks for the rest of the night. <laughs> he didn't want any part of that. Exactly. Now, <laughs> Romero, he's a physical specimen. You know, he, he's, he's probably, I, I hope that I can, you know, look like him when I'm his age. But uh, <laughs> when it comes down to it, Jan Blahowitz is a much bigger man. Uh, an actual light heavyweight with yeah. a lot of power. I mean, he put yep. out Dominic Reyes in his last fight. Mm -hmm. He put out um, Luke Rockhold when they had their fight. Uh, the man has got power in his hands. And he's a bit of a good grappler, too. So he brings that kind of a threat. I think he can threaten Izzy with the pressure and the grappling. Because Izzy, yeah. he's good when you keep him at range. You try to fight him at range, he is going to dip and dodge and so get out of the way. He's got the footwork, long arms. Yeah. Out of Robert Whitaker, who is maybe the most talented fighter in the entire middleweight, at least the most well-rounded fighter in the entire middleweight division. Mm -hmm. He made him look like a fool being able to bob and weave and dodge. He is a master of dodging. Mm -hmm. But the difference is, is that certain guys, you know, are much better with their pressure. They're not going to want to stand and trade with him at range. They're going to want to back him up. Get him against the cage. And if I'm not mistaken, this is going to be in the small octagon in uh, Vegas. So Is it at Vegas or Fight Island? Um, I'm pretty sure it's it's Vegas. It's Vegas? Okay, wow. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't help. Checking for us right now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to check. Let me see. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> but, uh, the fact that it's taking place in the smaller octagon, it doesn't give Izzy a lot of room to move. I think mm -hmm. that Blachowicz is going to walk him down. I think he's going to land some bombs, and we're going to see Izzy on the defensive. Like I said, it breaks my heart because I know a lot of people like him and whatnot. I personally don't like his personality. I think he's a good fighter. But when yeah. I look at the actual style of the two fighters, look, if it's going to go into the late rounds, uh, I still think that Blahowitz is going to get it done. Look at the fight with um, Kelvin Gastelum, who has a much uh, l lesser reach mm -hmm. than Blahowitz does. That was a war, also yeah. Also throws a lot of power. And mm -hmm. he put Izzy in more danger than anyone else. And so... I kind of think that uh, Blahowitz gets it done. Uh, I think it's going to be a good fight. I don't think it's going to be a boring fight like the mm -hmm. one with, with Romero. I think it's going to yeah. actually be an entertaining fight. And if Izzy does get it done, I mean, he's going to have to, I think he's going to have to pull off a, a miracle shot. We're talking like, like something that Blahowitz is not going to see coming. Some kind of a spinning back kick spinning back elbow <laughs> it, it, it's not going to be he's not going to i don't think he point fights him to a decision it's going to be something that has to actually stop blahowitz and he doesn't see it coming other than that i'd say blahowitz gets it done probably i'd say probably within two rounds Whoo, man i see that's why i don't even know if i can watch this because I, my you're speaking my fears right now <laughs> my fears is that yeah he gets knocked out by you know second round first round even and I'm just going to be like, oh, this is just painful to see. Um, well, but, I mean, yeah. To be fair, I mean, both these guys have been knocked out before. You know, Izzy in kickboxing, his last two kickboxing matches in uh, glory kickboxing, he was actually uh, TKO'd or knocked out. So yeah. he's no stranger to that. And Jan Blahowitz was knocked out by Tiago Santos yep. uh, not that long ago. So, yep. Yep. I mean, both of them, not to say they have suspect chins, but, you know, once you've been knocked out once, you know what it feels like. 
and uh, you don't want to feel that again. So definitely, I think that the only way this ends is by knockout. I don't think we're going to see any kind of a guillotine submission, go-go plata, triangle choke, <laughs> the kind of stuff you see Jeremy Prophet do when he wants to get down and dirty on the mat. Uh, a good, clean knockout. But if Adesanya gets it done, it's going to be something spectacular. Yeah. Oh, man. It is in Vegas. It is in yeah, Vegas. Yeah, I was just about to So it is the small cage. Nowhere to run. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, because he, he uses that to his advantage a lot of times. And this one, now nah, he can't. So... Yeah, yeah, man. All right, yeah. Great too, by the way, on that card with um, uh, Piotr Jan and... Uh, yes, Al- yes, Aljamain Sterling. Who do you think takes that one? Uh, man, it, it's tough because Sterling looked like a man possessed last time he was in there. He put away Corey Sandhagen. Sandhagen. Put him away in no time. I couldn't him, believe it. Got him down, choked him out. <laughs> and, and I love Aljamain Sterling. I love the show that he puts on. Yeah. Funk master. Funk master. <laughs> I love Aljo. Uh, I just worry because Jan, I mean, he's had no setbacks since he's come to the U.S. He's, he's a machine. He's a monster. He, he put away Ricky Simone, who um, mm. got that great win a couple weeks back against Brian Kelleher. I think it was even, might have even been last week. Uh, and mm. Simone looked great. Simone looked great in a lot of his fights. He put away uh, Uriah Faber, who's mm-hmm. a legend. Um, and then the last fight that he had, I'm trying to remember, with uh, Jose Aldo. Yeah. Uh, again, Jose Aldo showed in his last fight he can still go, yep. but Jan just dismantled him. Destroyed. And so it's like, I would say this. I mean, if Aljo gets it done, I'll be happy. But yeah. if I'm a betting man, and I might actually be putting down a few bets on that fight. Uh, <laughs> harmless wager. Uh, oh, no, no. <laughs> but uh, if I'm a betting man, I would actually bet on Jan to uh, retain the title in that one. Yeah, I think I lean that way too. Honestly, you know, with with these two guys, I same. I love I love um, Al Germain. I feel like if he were to win it, like it, it's just such a great get for UFC to have someone with his charisma as champion. So it w- it would be cool, and just as a fan of his, like it'd just be great for all the hard work and all the time that he had spent being at the top and not getting that title shot and wondering like why am I not in the title picture? Why is you know, is it Aldo that leapfrog leapfrogs me to get to Jan versus With me being in there? Too. What's that? With a loss, because let's not forget yeah. Arlen Moraes beat Jose beat Aldo him, and you know, by decision Jose yeah. Aldo the title shot, which was just disrespect to both of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean everyone was saying it was should have it could have even been Corey Sanhagen and Al Jermaine for the title match. Yeah. Jan obviously, you know, he he deserves to be in that picture. But yeah, for for so go overall, I think that for uh, for Al Jermaine, I think it'd be cool. But Jan is just so scary. Like between the two, he just there's just something about him that like cold, like just demeanor. Like he goes in there and he's about his business. Even with that one with um, with Faber, he put him down and he just kind of had the smile on his face. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You want some more? I'm just like what. What? <laughs> this guy is crazy. So, it's, yeah, man. To me, you know, this <laughs> thing is, I feel that if it's a marathon and not a sprint, yeah. Aljo gets it done. Because Ooh, okay. Aljo in the championship rounds, he, we know he's got a hell of a gas tank. He don't get tired, and his pressure is yes. like second to none in that division. Yes. I don't think, I think the one glaring weakness on Yan's side of the equation is the fact that I don't think his cardio is that good. I feel he was starting to fade against Jose Aldo as the fight went on. And that was with him dictating the pace. As they always say, it's easier to be the hammer than to be the nail. 
but he was being the hammer and he was starting to gas. So yeah. I think that if Aljo can get him into the later rounds, that's going to be where the tide will turn. Because, yeah. you know, like I said, Jan, he's dangerous early on, but I don't think he's got the cardio for five rounds. And I don't think he's been in a, a five-round fight. I'm pretty sure he stopped. I don't think so. Yeah. He uh, Aldo mm-hmm. before the end of the... Before the end, yeah. They didn't go the distance, so no. He doesn't really have the five-round experience as of yet. Uh, not to say that Aljo does, but if I'm not mistaken, I mean, I think he's been in some long fights and definitely some wars. So mm-hmm. I can't see Aljo's gas tank giving away in five rounds. And if Jan can't get it done by the third, I think Aljo takes it. Definitely, I would, I would, put, my, I would put a bet. If I'm going to bet on Aljo, I'd say Aljo probably in the fifth by finish. If not, it's a decision. He's going to take it. Yeah. Man, that'd be cool. Funk Master, let's it's go. It's actually my dream job, believe it or not, other than to be a wrestler. Yeah. Uh, other than to be signed to a major promotion, if, if I couldn't do that, I would love to be an MMA journalist. I would love oh. to, you know, just like Ariel Hawani, just like uh, yeah. you know, the Schmo, <laughs> like those kinds of guys. Yeah. Like, I, I, I watch MMA as much as I watch uh, wrestling. It, it's, yeah. it's my second love. It's probably something that if I was a martial artist, which unfortunately I wasn't um, when I was younger, I was an athlete, but I wasn't a martial artist. Closest thing I ever did to it was uh, I did boxing for a couple of months. But, um, you know, my father was actually a boxer, too. Uh, but I never – for me, it was professional wrestling. But if I was younger, it would definitely be something I would have wanted to get into, study martial arts at a young age, uh, you know, get a, get a couple, you know, jiu-jitsu black belt, maybe, you know, get some Muay Thai. And, uh, you know, never had the option to do wrestling. It's Amateur wrestling is not as big here in Canada, unfortunately. Um, but I would love to have gotten those under my belts and, uh, you know, maybe give those guys, the, the GSPs and the guys from TriStar, a bit of a run for the money. Um, now looking at it, you know, at the age that I'm at, it's like if I could be a journalist in that industry, which is what I went to school for, yeah. uh, I'd love to be an MMA journalist. What about oh, yeah, commentating? Yeah. Will you, you know, go commentating yeah. that way with the UFC? Oh, yeah. I mean, you could, you could even see commentary uh, of me on wrestling events uh, online. Like I did that for, for Great North Wrestling, for Hannibal TV. Uh, I love commentary. Um, they even wanted to, I don't tell this story very often, but w- when I went to FCW, I did a week-long tryout in FCW uh, where I came out of that as a total rock star. I was just on fire at that tryout. They, everyone loved me. I still don't know why I didn't get hired. But uh, sometimes you gotta, you gotta run things up the chain of command yourself and not leave that in other, others' hands. That's something that I learned years later. But uh, one of the things we discussed uh, just in passing, they had said, you know, if you have any other skills, let us know. You know, if you can, and they were thinking skills like, I don't know, if you could, if you can, you know, juggle chainsaws or if you can, uh, I don't know, you can, you can, you know, do a couple breakdancing flips on your head or whatever. Just, they were talking about exceptional skills. They, they didn't literally say those things, but they're talking exceptional skills. And I just happened to throw it out there and say, well, you know, I have a degree in journalism. Um, you know, would I be able to maybe be a commentator for you guys at worst if, you know, this whole wrestler thing doesn't work out? And I kind of said it a little jokingly. And then Steve Kern was like, oh, yeah, I mean, if we have some time, you know, we'll set you up with Dusty. Y'all can go in the, in the broadcast booth and, you know, call some of this. We'll see how you do. And I was like, okay, wow. Uh, and this was at a time where we were 70 people at that tryout. So you can only make 35 matches, you know, pair up, pairs of two. Uh, they announced about 20 matches. I didn't get put in a match. And I kind of thought, you know, I'm being overlooked here. Like, why would I not be put in a match when uh, you know, you guys know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was thinking if I can't be in a match, then yeah, maybe I could call some matches and that'll be a way to get more eyes on me and they'll see that, you know, I can get it done on a microphone. 
Um, lo and behold, I ended up getting booked in match after match after match. I ended up having three matches, which was more than anyone else there. The only guys that got three matches were me and Jinder Mahal, and uh, he's oh. who they hired after our final match, which was me against him. Uh, I think I might have told you guys that. Did I tell you guys that story last time? No, no, you didn't. Oh. Never, never heard about the gender, man, I, even though I know he's a Canadian as well. He's a fellow Canadian. He was a friend of mine. I was the, uh, I was the kingmaker. I, I allowed him to get hired. Uh, you can, you know, maybe get an interview with him one day and he'll tell you the same thing. Um, but no, he, <laughs> he and I got paired up in the last match. Uh, Pat Patterson came the last day. It was supposed to be John Laurinaitis. Uh, unfortunately, he was um, having the unfortunate task of informing uh, the Anawai family of the passing of Umaga. Mm. And so they had said that that's why he wasn't able to, to, to be there. He had to you know, deal with that. And obviously being head of talent relations, former talent that unfortunately passes away, there's, there's a lot of red tape there. So clearly being at a tryout is not your top priority. Totally understandable. But Pat Patterson was there and he's like, I don't have a lot of time. I just want to see the best guys. So they selected six of us, which was three matches. Uh, included in those six, I do believe we were the very best at that tryout. There was myself, there was Jinder Mahal, there was um, Rhett Titus from Ring of Honor, there was uh, Alex Silva, my good buddy from here, the first TNA gut check winner. Um, don't really remember who the other two guys were. But uh, they put us in there. Jinder and I were the last match. And what they didn't know is that he and I already knew each other, and we had already worked with each other, more importantly. And so they paired us up and I'm, we're like, perfect. Like, what do you want to do? What do we, uh, you know, he asked me what I want to do. Cool, cool. But we put the whole thing together in no time. I mean, we knew each other inside out. Went in there, had a hell of a match. You know, I hit him with the 450 for the finish, wanted the big finish, you know, got the oohs and ahs. Everyone loved it. He ended up getting a contract. I got lots and lots of kind words. Like Steve Kern pulls me aside. He's saying bye to everyone. It's like, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. Uh, and you, you, you come with me, pulls me aside. He's like, you impressed all of us. You definitely have a future in this company. I, I hear they're giving out about 10 contracts. You're definitely going to get one. You know, he, he said all these things, all these high praises, him, Norman Smiley, Tom Pritchard, uh, all, all the trainers there. They all love me. Dusty Rhodes all said good things. I thought for sure I was getting hired, left my phone on every night. The call never came, but, uh, all that to say, you know, while I was there, they were going to give me that commentary tryout with Dusty, just that, you know, my plate kind of became full with matches. But I look back on it, and I'm like, I probably could have shown them another side of me. Maybe it could have been something that could have helped me steal that one contract from Jinder. But all that to say, they, they made a great choice in choosing him. He's a couple months, maybe a month or two younger than me. Clearly a fantastic look uh, and, and a great human being. That's, that's the thing not a lot of people know is he's really a good guy. So much so that that was in 2000, end of 2009. When I went back in 2012, uh, well, actually when I went for my tryouts in 2010, he was still in Florida. He wasn't on the ro main roster yet. Uh, but when, when, I, when I went back in 2012, he was there. And I'm walking down the hall and he, he says my, someone says my name. I turn around, it's him. He walks up to me, gives me a hug. And he's telling all his friends there. He's telling all these guys like, like Fandango and... Uh, Mason Ryan, all these guys. Were friends. Like, this guy is the reason I'm here. This is the guy we had this. Ah, that's what's up. Each other. They basically hired me because of him, and yeah. you know it was cool. And that's why I say you know it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. He's a great person outside the ring. He's a, he's a bad guy on TV, but no, he's 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 a hell of a nice guy out of the ring. The kind of guy he'd give you the shirt off of his back if if, if you needed it. And um, you know I'm happy for all of his success. And uh, it was something that, it was just a great experience. And I wish more would have come out of it for me. 
but uh, I, I do feel that you know everything happens for a reason. And uh, look, you know, I'm still young. Uh, I used to always say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm young and good looking. Uh, now, you know, I, I'm just good looking. But <laughs> well, you're still young, man. You know, you know, black people. You know, we age slowly, so. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, and he's going to be WWE champion. Age is nothing but a number, you know. It's That's right. Staying exactly. healthy, staying in shape. And, you know, it, like they say, if you don't slow down, you never grow old. So that's the way I look at it is that, you know, my time wasn't then, but my time is getting closer and closer. And eventually someone's going to hear my words. And the way I look at it is, hey, I'm, I'm a professional. I'm one of the best in the world. If you don't believe me, go out there and Google me. I'm one of the best in the world. I just haven't been given a big enough stage and a bright enough spotlight and a camera that takes it into millions and millions of homes. I'm probably the greatest wrestler you guys have never heard of. You know, you see a bunch of guys on the indies. They come on here. They, they, they talk wearing their pajamas, telling you to buy all their merch on Pro Wrestling Tees when, you know, they can't do one-tenth of what I do. So when it comes down to it, I know my value. I know what I bring. And uh, I'm not someone who's made on hype. I'm made on hard work. And that's kind of doing things the old-fashioned way, but some things never go out of style. And I'm sure that eventually my words are going to fall on the right ears, and those doors will eventually open for me uh, and for the others here in Canada, because I want to lead the way. I want to be the, the, the Jackie Robinson of Canadian wrestling, you know, and just burst open those floodgates when people are like, man, they got talent like that in Canada? We, we got to get on that. We got we to gotta start scouting Canada. We got to start, you know getting in there and getting these guys before the competition gets them. That's the guy that I want to be. That's what I want my legacy to be, is to open eyes, open ears, and to make people realize great talent in Canada has been here for far too long, not getting looked at, not getting those opportunities. And if you only knew, it would blow your mind with how good the men and women are here in Canada. You know, I, you know, I got to ask this question because me, me and Hafiz, we sometimes we go back and forth because I'm probably one of the few fans of Jinder Mahal title reigns. How did you feel when he won the title off of Randy Orton? I, I tell you, I, I almost cried. I almost shed a tear. I was so happy for him for not only being someone who was a friend of mine, but someone who worked so hard. You can, you can say what you want about him. You know, there's a lot of people that say, oh, well, he only got the championship because they wanted to go to India. They wanted the Indian market. And let's face it. They hired him in 2009. Let's call it 2010. And at that time, he was still Indian. He was still a big guy. He was still all those things. And he got fired. Mm -hmm. Then he came back. They gave him a second chance. Except now they gave him a second chance, and he was jacked. And he had, <laughs> he had improved his talking. He had improved all those things, and he became WWE champion. He was still just as Indian when they fired him. They still wanted to target that market, and they let him go. So you can't be saying that he only got those opportunities because of the color of his skin where he was from. No, he got it because he worked harder than everybody else there. And I, for one, was happy to see hard work pay off, to see someone go to rock bottom and climb their way out of that pit of darkness right up to the championship and no matter if he ever gets it again or not, no matter if he, they use him as enhancement for the rest of his career, no matter if he decides to retire tomorrow, he is a part of history forever as WWE champion. Yeah, because I, I enjoyed his, his WWE title run. It's, it had such an old school feel to it for being a heel. He had a protective finisher called the Coloss. I'm like, okay, yeah, we're taking this back in the day when 
you know, one, nobody's kicking out of finishers. You know, he's beating he's beating good people. He beat Shinsuke, but hey, people didn't like it. I did, <laughs> you know. But I will say, I will say, because you're talking about it, and I, I'll be real about this and just just give it to you, <laughs> go straight, ahead, Jeremy. Go so, ahead. so for me, you know, with it, like, I feel hey, that I, you know, real out of sign, you're here. Yeah, right. <laughs> so here we go. So, so just to be real, because I, I, you know, I, I, I just I'm an honest guy. Um, you know, with with gender, what I look at, especially now, you know, like not even taking it back then, but now is that I do I am I'm happy for him in that he got that opportunity and he did bust his ass. And when he came back, he was jacked. He was ripped. I'm like, yeah, like I'm glad to see that hard work paid off. It's always nice to see a story like that where hard work does pay off. Um, now, if I do go back then, one of the things for me was that, you know, I'm a big fan of Shinsuke Nakamura. And, you know, I was looking for him as well to get that moment in WWE, especially coming off of the NXT run. And he had, you know, there was just so much in, you know, great, so many great things happening for him down in NXT. And, you know, him not, you know, getting, you know, the 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 win and with uh, Jinder Mahal beating him, like I'm looking at it as just like, you know, just a fan like oh man like okay i get it with gender but gosh i want to just get knocked more to 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 get this opportunity and you know for for me it was more of like just being a fan of you know certain wrestlers and seeing gender and being like it's cool like i mean it's like even with the miz right now like i'm happy for the miz it's cool he got his moment then at a certain point i'm like all right i kind of want to if you're gonna go against someone else who i'm also a fan of i'm kind of like all right it'd be nice to see you know some of these other guys. So I guess just selfishly, like I wanted to see some other guys get the belt as well. It's not so much that, you know, I don't think gender should have been champion, but I just felt like, okay, there were other people there that I was a bigger fan of, honestly, than him specifically that just as a, as a fanboy, I'm like, yeah, it'd be, you know, ah, oh, mad because you know, this guy, and he did his job. He made me dislike him because, you know, he's beating people that I loved. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's a part of it, too. So I do respect that. But, yeah, keeping it real, like, you know, the run was was uh, was I can appreciate it um, at the moment. There were times where I was pissed because I just was like, oh, man, I want to see, you know, him lose, you know, because of this person and that person. But, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, look, you can always speak your truth. I'm, I, I don't you know, wrestling is subjective um, <laughs> when it comes down to it, like. I, I can show wrestling to 10 people off the street. Half of them might say, oh, yeah, this guy's a good wrestler. Half of them might say he's terrible. Wrestling is subjective. <laughs> when I look at Jinder's reign, I look at it like this, especially in comparison to someone like Nakamura. Yeah. I personally feel, knowing WWE's dogmas, knowing their unwritten rules, if you will, Shinsuke Nakamura has more of an uphill battle than Jinder Mahal simply because he lacks the language. He doesn't yes, have yes. The, the promo. He, not to say he doesn't have the promo, but he doesn't have the English. Yes. And I think that that's something that's always going to hold somebody back. I think Andrade is an amazing talent. I think the guy is yeah, yeah. outstanding. But because he doesn't have the English, he can only go so far because you can't have Andrade go on The Tonight Show and represent as WWE champion. You, you, you can't have Shinsuke Nakamura do that you know, without – an interpreter, those kinds of things. And that's just a sad reality of the corporate structure of WWE. Facts, a guy yeah. like Jinder, he can go on, he can speak English, he can speak Punjabi, 
he looks the part. I mean, you show him standing there in a three-piece suit with the WWE title, no one's going to dispute. Yeah, that guy looks like a champion. He looks like a champion. Not to say Shinsuke in his own way wouldn't look like a champion, but to me, you look at Jinder, you know, whether he's in his gear, whether he's in a suit, the man looks the part to a T, and sometimes looking the part is half the battle. When I went to, to FCW, Steve Kern, you know, he praised me for my, my entrance gear. You've probably seen the classic Jeremy Prophet entrance gear, black and red flames on the pants, the fur and leather coat with the, you know, all, all that stuff. That's by design because, you know, you, you got to look like a star in wrestling. And Steve Kern praised me in Florida because he said, you know, look at this guy. Look at this costume he has. You know, half of you guys are here in shorts and T-shirts and, you know, running shoes and whatever. You know, wh why would you want to wrestle like that when we got a camera here streaming back to Stanford and Vince McMahon could be watching you? He sees you guys. He's going to be like, okay, whatever. Same old, same old. He sees this guy. He's going to be like, oh, we got something here. This is different. And, and that's to me. He's praising me. Like I said, I was a rock star at that tryout. I, I outshined just about everybody there. But I was also prepared. I knew, I knew what I wanted to get across. I had a game plan. Um, all that to say, one thing that always stuck with me was he said, why do you guys think Ric Flair was champion in so many places? He wasn't champion because he was the best wrestler. He was a champion because he looked like a champion. He was a champion because he bought his own limousine and would, would drive it to the show and he'd get out and people like, man, this guy's riding in a limousine? Man, I got to put my belt on him. I want my champ. I want this guy representing my company. And that's a big deal in wrestling. Look, your, your average indie wrestler, they don't know that. You go watch the indies, you know, you, you'll see a mishmash of, you know, some guys who've got it, some guys who look like they could easily be, you know, fans in the audience, you know, and, and that's something I never wanted to be. I'm a firm believer that you got to look like a star if you want to be treated like a star, you know, and then you got to also deliver, you know, it's, it's a fine game of you got to be a salesman, but you got to also be a delivery man. You got to be able to talk the people into the building. But you also got to make them want to stay and want to come back the next time. Because mm. if you can't deliver the goods in front of that audience, then it's just a bunch of cheap heat. They're going to be like, yeah, we saw this guy on the poster. Yeah, he looked shredded. He had abs. He was he's looking, looking the part, man. And then I saw him wrestle, and the guy did a snap mirror and a chin lock for three quarters of the match. You know, you, you got to be able to do it. That's what it comes down to. And I feel that Jinder Mahal, at the very least, you know, if you don't know how he wrestles, I believe that if you see what he looks like, there will be intrigue and you will want to see him wrestle. And again, I'm giving out a lot of lessons here for free for people. And, you know, you might say, oh, well, you know, I haven't made as much money as some of these guys out there who, who don't do these kinds of things. But I don't think I come across any less professional because of it. I think it works to my advantage. And uh, like I said, don't, don't judge me because I've just been the victim of, of being born in a country that doesn't have any scouting. Um, but we're working on changing that. All that to say, yeah. respect Shinsuke. Uh, I respect what he does there, but I also think he's up against a system that doesn't really play to his strengths. And that's a lot of guys in WWE. I, I could talk about this for, for hours on end. Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. I mean, that's just facts. You can't really, you know, dispute that. You know, and for gender, like I said, now, you know, especially being able to gain some, some perspective and, you know, see it in a different light. And especially even with talking to you and just hearing about like the man, the person behind, you know, the character that we see on, on television. It's like, I think that for me, I just, I, I'm really, I'm happy for him in that. Again, it's just, it's great to see stories where hard work truly does pay off and people, you know, are rewarded for putting in that effort, you know? And so for him, it's like, it's, it's really cool that he was able to, to get, even if, like you said, even if it's just that moment in time, where he got to have this run and he can call himself a WWE champion. He can say 
I was a WWE champion. He's in that the history books forever as being one of the WWE champions. So you know, I think it's I think it's cool that 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 happened for him. Because another you know, thing, and, so, and, I, and I feel the need not to cut you off. I feel the need to say this too, because you know, with Jinder, I, I watched his reign, and he he got me watching. I watch every week, anyways. But he got me watching, and if I could have given him, you know, some advice or some help, I would have said that you know he could have maybe done a little bit more on the microphone to, mm. uh, to to get himself across. And I feel as much as he put in a lot of hard work in his in his body and definitely in his wrestling, uh, I feel that he upped his mic skills uh, to get to where he was. But I kind of feel like, and again, maybe it was the script that was being given to him. But I feel the promos kind of flatlined. I feel mm, like I if you go back and watch when he won, I think it was a fatal five-way to become the number one contender, he cut a promo that I, I feel was his Austin 316. He was mm. saying, you know, I don't know why you people hate me. You hate me because of the way I look. You hate me because of the way I, I, I carry myself because I speak a different language. And you mm -hmm. could see in his eyes, you could see the fire. You could see that, like, he was mad. Because remember, people were giving him a lot of flack on the Internet. They were saying, oh, you know, you're taking steroids. Oh, you know, you're, you're only mm -hmm. getting this push because of India. They were saying, yeah. they were talking mad shit about him. And yeah. I feel like that was firing him up. And it was coming through in his promos. And I really feel if he would have kept that level of intensity, because and like I encourage you guys, even you know you people watching at home, find that promo and watch the fire and the intensity and listen to the crowd. Because as much as he's giving it to them, they're giving it back to him tenfold. And mm -hmm. it was such great heat. I just feel yeah. like he kind of got the belt, and then it, he became a little bit more. You know, I got here. I'm, I'm not to say comfortable because I love the guy. I just feel like if he would have kept his intensity at that level all the time, like still throwing it in the people's faces, yeah. being like, I know when you guys look at me with this belt, you don't feel someone like me should have it. And, it, and it's touching on real issues and stuff, too. I thought that would have been great. Like, I personally think another thing I could do in wrestling is I'd love to just write promos for people. I would love to, to be that yeah, guy who can write the promo for talent. I even wanted to do a thing where I was going to say, I'd love to take one segment per week from either WWE, AEW, whatever it may be, and like a promo that maybe people didn't like and be like, this is how I would have done it. Because mm, mm. sometimes it's what's written. And I don't blame any of the talent for a lot of things because wrestling doesn't lack talent. Like you can't look at WWE or AEW or Ring of Honor, any of these companies and say, those guys are not talented. Those guys are the best in the world. Roster mm. is more talented than it's ever been. The writing, on the other hand, the writing is where it's lacking. And yeah. I personally feel that anytime there's something bad in wrestling, it's not because the wrestling is bad. It's because the writing is bad. And that would be a thing I would love to do. I'd love to write promos. I'd love to write storylines. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a journalist by trade. Uh, and I think that I, I know what I'm doing when I'm talking on a microphone. I would love to write promos for guys and bring out more reality. Because for me, when I watch wrestling, I feel it walks a fine line between being sci-fi and being comedy. You know, yeah. it, it's kind of like wrestling's kind of like uh, it's like Days of Our Lives meets Saturday Night Live meets Battlestar. <laughs> it, it, it's it's <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. And so, you know, I think what's missing and what I could bring is the reality. Is mm. the, this is how a person would talk to someone in the real world? This is how someone would react. This is how a character will grow after this encounter, and these kinds of things. I feel we see a lot of promos that. You know, a lot of people, maybe they're struggling to, to read it and you get your script maybe, you know, two, three hours before the show gets rewritten an hour before the show. And you got to, you mm -hmm. know, kind of pop and weave and, and improv and go along with it. But I think that if the wrestlers were given stuff that was more realistic, 
and mm-hmm. you know, it's the kind of thing in, in script writing. Even like you know, you're going to write a script, and someone's not going to say that is; they're going to say that's. You know, mm-hmm. right there. That that that's just something that's like more natural. It's real. Uh, yeah. All that to say, so much of it is not in the voices of the people. I feel that there are words that are forced upon them, and that if it was more reality based it would be more engaging to the audience because it should never insult the intelligence of the audience, especially when you're up against primetime TV shows and you're putting out a, you know, PG, kids show, whatever it may be. You can still put doses of reality in that show to give people something that's engaging and relatable at the same time. I know I'm getting a little long-winded on that, but it's something that bothers me on a weekly basis. No, no. 100%. well, while you were talking, I was just thinking, like, man, you should do a, a detail like they do with, with sports where they go and break down, like, certain aspects of, you know, basketball. It's like detail with Daniel Cormier for an MMA fighter. You should do detail with Jeremy Prophet talking about, like, promos and, like, taking that promo from each week, like you said, and breaking it down even just for for out of for my entertainment. I would just love <laughs> to hear you break down, like, the latest MJF promo or the latest, like, you know, promo from someone from NXT or anybody, man. Roman Reigns promo. Like, I would just love to see you just kind of, like, go and say, yeah, I like this because it was real. Or this right here, like, if it felt like, eh, I wasn't really feeling it. I wasn't connecting to it. Just, yeah, I think that'd be cool, man. That sounds like yeah, a new uh, Jofo in the uh, Ring segment right there. <laughs> definitely food for thought, but I will say this. And, you know, like, they call me the harbinger of truth because I speak the uncomfortable truth. The uncomfortable truth is that in this world, you know, I'll leave that maybe to the, the Cornets and the Russos and, mm. uh, you know, the people who want to do that kind of thing because I've unfortunately not been gifted a position because I, I don't have enough friends in the wrestling business to be gifted a position where I can talk down from Mount Olympus uh, on people who are, you know, up, up in the heavens. So yes. that, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Uh, those who know, know. But I, I do tell you that I watch promos week after week and I'm like, whether you keep the dialogue the same and you just modify the delivery or you keep the delivery the same but you modify the dialogue it can go a long way towards making a promo work or making a promo fail you know i've often heard the expression that vince will say to people i write the script you're the one that makes it work and people be like well how can you make it work if the material is not that good there's a way to make it work there's a way you can modify your delivery your emotions and like, if you look like you don't believe in the material, no one's gonna buy it. Like, this right. guy's just throwing it in. He's going right. through the motion. Who talks like that? If you have to watch any moment in wrestling and look at it, and it happens to me every week, where I look at it and I'll say, "Yeah, uh, no one talks like that in real life. Like, why is this person doing that?" You know, people think that a guy like you know, and I could I could help a lot of people. Like, I, I put a tweet out where I said, you know, I'd love to help Ricochet with promos, and mm-hmm. I would love to help. Him with mm-hmm. Some people. Dude, I would love for you to help him, like. <laughs> he's got all the tools people used to say he and i look alike when we were younger you know you find a young picture of him you know back when he had hair and he had he had his hair straightened and permed and you know kind of looked like yeah i can see you know we're similar similar size similar builds uh you know similar athleticism the difference being you know when it comes to the spoken word uh th- there's as great of a gap there as there is in you know uh hair follicles on my head compared to his uh, but when it comes to sorry for the second ball joke in the show. Uh, hey, but, man, it's, uh, it's all good, man. I look better anyway. I, I highlight my attributes. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when it comes down to it, with someone like Ricochet, I feel like they could benefit from having someone to say, okay, you know, here's the promo you're given, but like, you know, these retribution guys are hurt business. They've been beating you up for weeks. 
someone's been beating you up week after week after week. You can't just deliver it with a blank stare like a deer in headlights. You know, you got to have some anger, some emotion, some like mm. you got to be wanting to go in there and, you know, screw the rules. You're going to go in there. You're going to grab them. You're going to eye gouge them. You're going to kick them in the crotch. You're going to bite their neck. You're going to do what you have to do to survive in there. You know, right. you got to bring that realism. And I think that maybe some guys like they, they shy away from the realism. They shy away in this PG era that we live in. But a guy like me, I mean, I think that my bread and butter when it comes to promos is I'm not scared to bring the reality. We're living in a harsh world. People are dying by the hundreds, by the thousands every day. Uh, you know, people are waiting to get vaccinated. People are, are, are losing their businesses. People are getting murdered. People are getting diagnosed with cancer. People's, people's children are getting kidnapped, get, getting sold into sex slavery in foreign countries. You know, there, there, this is a bad world we live in. There's a lot of uncomfortable stuff that goes on. And I'm not scared to speak about it. You know, I'm not a guy who's going to cuss my way through a promo. Uh, I, I pretty much never do. But I will speak the harsh realities of the world that we live in. And I get that wrestling wants to put smiles on people's faces. But you can't do that at the expense of ignoring the reality that's around, especially when you're on television presented as a reality show. And, you know, people have the option to watch other stuff out there that's going to actually give them that. So don't insult the intelligence of the audience. Give them that in everything. Give them that reality. You know, someone hits you, odds are you're going to want to hit back. So why is every wrestling promo, everyone's smiling, everyone's cocky, everyone's happy to be here? I get it. You got a nice big contract there on TV. You can pay all your bills and you don't got a care in the world. But you got to at least reflect in your character that that's a fight when you step into that ring. And, you know, you ain't going to see Jeremy Prophet on TV. Four guys, you know, like, like Retribution going to be beating me up. And I ain't going to be taking the town on the mic saying, I'm going to find where you guys live. And I'm going to get you when you're at your weakest. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm the monster. You four guys, you got to fear me. But that's just how I carry myself. That's, that's not a character thing. That's a, that's a life thing. That's a, you know, you, you grow up in a certain way that's instilled in you. And uh, maybe it's the, the, the military values that my father instilled in me. He actually was a, was a, a veteran war veteran and um believe it or not it's a story i never told too but my father he actually served in world war ii i know that makes no sense that you guys are going to think of it. how's that possible yeah. uh, my father was actually almost 60 years old when he had me so mm, like whoa. that is okay. as legit as they come he he served for canada during world war ii my uncle actually went overseas uh and fought as well in world war ii uh, my father was in the air force and uh he instilled those those strong military values those you know those just you know you gotta not let people step on you you gotta stand up for what you believe in and um yeah that's that that's me man that's me to the core yeah man strong work ethic awesome. too man i see that it all makes sense yeah. hell yeah now you, you say you're the harbinger of truth so i gotta ask this question yeah. kind of switching subjects moving on to the women's division you know you look at nxt you look at wwe women's division they're you know they put the spotlight on their women and then you shift it to AEW. Like, what are your thoughts on that? How do you, where's the opportunity lies for, for that promotion, for the shine that light? Because they, they, they shine it, but it seems like it's misplaced sometimes. Well, what you just did right there is a good example of something because you're comparing AEW with WWE. Now, we're just talking about the women's division, but let's face it, AEW has been around for a little over a year. It's a good thing that we're actually talking about AEW on the same terms as WWE, regardless of the fact that their women's division, after one year, is not where WWE's women's division is after, I mean, WWE's been around for what? Uh, WrestleMania 1 was 36 years ago. So when it comes down to it, 
it's a work in progress. They are doing good because people are talking about them in the same breath as WWE after one year. Clearly, they don't have the same resources as WWE in terms of an extensive development system, a connection with companies like Evolve and the other companies that they scout throughout the United States to find great talent. Uh, these big open tryouts that they do in the Arab Emirates and India and you know all these different places to find these super athletes that are coachable and they can turn into great talents. And we're talking you know just about the women right now. Uh, they've had two May Young Classics where they you know pretty much got a look at supposedly all the top talents across the Indies. Whether that's true or not, I don't know because there weren't too many Canadians in there. So uh, I can only speak for my own brethren here. But when it comes down to it, WWE has invested so much time and money in their women's division, and they get that training every week down at the Performance Center. The girls in AEW, I mean, some of them are still allowed to work the independents. Uh, I'm sure some of them are training at the Nightmare Factory, but it's not like it's a commitment, like it's part of your contract, like you gotta be doing that. That's why the ones out of the Performance Center are so crisp, are so good. Uh, I saw this uh, girl on TV, um, Lacey Ryan, uh, Zoe Starks, I think her Zoe name was. Zoe Starks, Zoe yeah. Starks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, you know, talk about having all the tools there. You know, her wrestling was good. She looked good. She moved well, uh, and she's a new recruit. So think yeah. of how good she's going to be by the time they get her up to the main roster. You know, look at Rhea Ripley, how talented she is at such a young age. And yeah. that's through working through WWE system from the Indies to the Mae Young Classic to NXT, now onto the main roster, she's going to be giving all those top girls a run for their money. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Rhea Ripley's a champion uh, by the time we're having this conversation again next year. Then you have Bianca Belair, who was not an independent wrestler, who was one of these super athletes. You know, believe it or not, not to undermine what I'm saying, but uh, I actually watched the Bianca Belair documentary, yes, and mm -hmm. one thing that it told me was if I never wrestled a day in my life, and did one of those tryouts, I would have probably already been signed by WWE because mm -hmm. I, I see a lot of the same attributes that I have in Bianca Belair. You know, I did track mm -hmm. and field. Uh, I was one of these, you know, freak athletes, track and field person, doing backflips, stronger than I looked, all, all the things that she is. It's just kind of why I like her. And you know, she's pretty good on the mic too. Um, personally, I think that uh, her the real money for Bianca Belair is as a heel. I think that she could be mm -hmm. a, a fantastic heel She's, she's good as a baby face, don't get me wrong, but I, I would love to see her as a heel. Um, with that said, they did a great job with her just as well, with no indie background, just through their training, and now she's going to be the top female in the industry uh, for many years to come. I think she takes the belt from Sasha at Mania, and it's off to the races with her. They've done a fantastic job of getting her there with the push that they've done. I really think the difference maker is the system WWE has in place, and that's why they've been able to create great female talent, and to harness the talent that's already there from the ones with experience and get them to that next level. AEW, they got the girls on TV. They, they've done well with, look, Hikaru Shida. I think about two years ago, not many people knew how good Hikaru Shida was, but they managed to make her into a top attraction in their company. Other than that, I mean, one of the things I always say when I look at their division is Nyla Rose is always going to be a thing. She's always going to be in the title picture. She's mm -hmm. always going to be there because she's the best heel that they have right now and reliable in the ring and in everything that she does. They need to be able to find other top heels and other top baby faces to be able to cement a top tier, much like WWE did with the four horsewomen. They need to have that top tier and then be able to have girls work with them, learn from them, but also maybe have a form of a developmental system. Maybe put it in some of their contracts now. They got to go to the Nightmare Factory and train two to three mm -hmm. times a week. 
to get their skills up to par. Work in the Indies can only teach you so much. Take, take it from a guy who's done this for 15 years. Uh, a lot of the best lessons I've got haven't been from just working on the Indies against you know, people from different towns around here. It's been from being able to pick the brains of people who've been to the dance, made a dollar, and you know, been able to impart that knowledge onto me. They need to be in an environment where you can do that. And I guess you know, being at TV every week, yeah, you could take it upon yourself to do that, but it's not exactly part of your curriculum that you have to do like at the PC where you're working with you know, guys like Shawn Michaels, where you're working with a guy like, uh, like, like TJ Wilson, you know, who's one of the, the best agents for the women on the SmackDown brand right now. Yeah. Uh, they, they just don't get that same level of you know, mentorship over there at AEW. I mean, I don't know how they do business, but it's just that I don't think that what they have can compete right now with the Performance Center. And I love AEW. Um, but I don't think they can compete with the Performance Center as it is right now. And all that to say, the good news in all of this is that we're still talking about them in comparison to WWE. So that is a victory in itself. Are you there? Are you there? So we are just about at time with you. Do you have time for just one more? Like, I don't want to take us too far. You get okay. Um, I guess just to. Hmm. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about, just at the top of WWE right now, we've got, you know, Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre. You know, these two guys are, you know, just being marketed um, usually as the, the two guys right now in the company. Um, what's your what's your thoughts on on just the direction with with both guys? I mean, with Drew, obviously, he dropped the title just recently with Roman. They got him on the path with Edge to potentially main event. That second night at WrestleMania, I think a lot of people are probably thinking that's the, the show ender. Um, but what do you think about these two in gym, terms of where they're at and, and how they've been, I guess, the story's been told, how, they, how their writing's been? Like, just talk about that a little bit. So in just thinking how I'm going to answer your question as you're, you're, you're saying it, I realize that I, ha- I have an interesting parallel that I share with both of them, with Drew McIntyre mm-hmm. and Roman Reigns. Uh, and it, it almost just blew my mind just thinking about it. <laughs> I thought you were going to just ask me about Drew McIntyre, and I had my answer, and I'm like, wow, I could almost say the same thing about Roman. So I actually have a story with both of them. Uh, I've, okay. I've met both of them, and I met them more or less under similar circumstances. So I met Drew McIntyre. Uh, again, like I said, I was a big super fan. I was on the road. I've been to, I went to Chicago, actually, um, from what I'm, what this wasn't in Chicago, but I, I was in Chicago when they had that pay-per-view. Uh, all I remember from it was CM Punk took on uh, Big Daddy V for the ECW title. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if either of you guys were there at that time, but no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I was in Chicago for that pay-per-view. I think it was maybe the one Triple H wrestled Randy Orton in the opening match. He won the belt. Then he wrestled Umaga, and then he wrestled Randy in the main event, and Randy yeah. beat him and won the championship back. Yep, yep, yep. That was in Chicago, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it wasn't there. It was, I think it was somewhere else. It might have been in Albany or in, in Buffalo or somewhere. I, I used to go to tons of shows, pay-per-views. Uh, I was at the, the hotel where all the talent stayed because my buddy, he had a hookup, and he would always be able to find out where they were, and we'd be you know, getting pictures with the guys and all that. Um, happens to be that Drew McIntyre is there at the hotel. But this is going way back. Like If you guys know the story of Drew McIntyre, you know that they called him up and they put him in a tag team with uh, Dave Taylor. Like he was wearing a he was wearing a kilt, kind of like he is now. He was like in a yeah, kilt, yep, doing, yep. <laughs> not really doing the Scottish Warrior, but he was he was in a kilt. Young guy, tall young guy, and uh, I recognized him from those few matches that he did. And then he happens to be at the hotel, and he's there with his his girlfriend at the time. 
and uh, I think they had just, I don't know, they'd come back from a concert or some kind of thing. Like she, she was like rocking the metal look. And uh, I talked with him and had a great conversation with him. Really nice guy. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that was my first impression of Drew McIntyre. To this day, I think it's the only time that I met him because even when I did my tryouts, oh no, he happened, he was there in 2010 also, but we didn't talk or anything. But, you know, met him really early on, right when he had only done like a couple of TVs. And I think maybe he did a dark match at that show uh, that same night. Nice guy, super nice guy. Uh, Roman Reigns did a dark match at the second set of TV tapings that I did, which was uh, 2012. He did a dark match at the SmackDown against Heath Slater. That was in uh, Ottawa, Ontario. And I remember seeing him, and I had already seen him in NXT because he had done like a few appearances here and there in NXT. He was kind of doing a heel thing where he was like in a suit mm -hmm. and like very I remember that. And, uh, <laughs> I, I remember seeing him and I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, this guy, he looks like a wrestler. He looks, he looks like a movie star, you know? And then it just so happened we're in the hallway together and I start talking to him and it's kind of funny to me because like I look back at it and I start talking with him and I'm like, oh, uh, I saw some of your matches in, in NXT. And unfortunately, like I, I said to him, like, yeah, like you're, you're Adam Rose, right? Like, I was, <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> I don't think I said Adam Rose. I think I said like you're you're, you're that hunter, right? Like you're like like Kruger, Leo Kruger, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because they kind of, like they kind of look alike. And yeah, the like, long hair, yeah. yeah. And, and he's like he's like no, that's that's I'm I'm Roman I'm Roman Reigns. Like he, they, he, it's okay. People confuse us all the time. It's a, and you know we have a little conversation. You know like uh, you know best of luck on that match that you're having tonight and. You know, just just being nice to show my you know Canadian hospitality to him. Uh, I'm a very friendly guy. I like to make friends with people, and so that was, that's my Roman Reigns story. Later that night, he wrestled Heath Slater. People cheered him like crazy. He like messed up Heath's shoulder. Heath was walking around with this uh, thing of ice on him. I think like he I don't know he hurt himself on the Samoan drop or something. But all that to say, uh, who would have thought that this guy there wrestling in in plain black trunks. Uh, you know, would become one of the biggest stars in the industry. Same like when I met Drew McIntyre, when he was just, you know, a 20, early 20s uh, young guy, only a little older than me at the time, probably legitimately like maybe two years older than me at the time, uh, out there in the hotel. So I met these guys both very early on in their careers. Uh, mm -hmm. All that to say, uh, I, I've loved Drew McIntyre's run. I think that he's another example, just like Jinder Mahal. I think he kind of followed the same example where WWE brought him in, you know, he came in like a wrecking ball. They said he's going to be the chosen one. They, they catapulted him to the Intercontinental title. And then, you know, next thing you know, 3MB and yeah. he's released, just like yeah. Jinder. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. he managed to work his way back up. He was able to work the independence, work everywhere. And I mean, like, I remember just hearing Drew Galloway, Drew Galloway, yeah. everyone talking about, oh, he did the best match here, he did the best match here. And you could see him wrestling. And, and to me, I was just kind of like, well, yeah, I've seen Drew McIntyre in WWE. I know what he's all about. You know, he's got the Future Shock DDT. And 3MB was kind of funny. But then I would watch some of his work. Like, he wrestled Speedball Mike Bailey, my good friend. I encourage you guys to find that match. Um, PWG, I think it was in the, the Battle of Los Angeles. First round, Speedball Mike Bailey against Drew McIntyre. And what a match they had. And that showed me this guy brings his work boots every single night. And, um, you know, ever since then, like I saw some of the stuff he's doing on the independence. I saw his run in impact and he worked his way back up right to the championship. Very similar story to gender. Um, and I think that, again, he's a very he's a nice guy. He's a he's a someone who it's nice to see a good human being in that spot. 
uh, it's nice to see someone who's a big wrestling fan, someone who wasn't going to be all bourgeoisie and shy away from going to the independents. He said, look, you know, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to show this company they made a mistake in getting rid of me. I can totally relate to that. I, I totally relate because I'm like, you know, I want to show this company they made a mistake back in 2010 when they didn't sign me. You know, I want to I show that to them. And now, thanks to the fact that I figured out social media, I can actually do that on a daily basis. Every time I'm on a show like this, I can, you know, spit my verses here. Like I always say, these are like my mixtapes, you know. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like if, if you were to mix like like 50 Cent and, and Kanye West into, into one entity, you know, where it's like just, you know, spitting fire, taking names, ripping through everyone <laughs> and, and just, you know, having, having no mercy. That's why I'm the harbinger. Yes. If I speak the truth. People are too uncomfortable to, to talk. People are worried they're going to get blackballed. They're going to get canceled. They're going to all these different kinds of things. And it's like, no, if you know what you're doing, you have a brain in your head and you got the gift of gab, you don't got to worry about any of that because you ain't going to cross any lines except for the lines that are supposed to be crossed. All that to say, you know, I love seeing a story like that. And uh, it's very encouraging, and I think that what he's done is incredible. He's more than deserving of being champion. Um, and I, I do think eventually he will get the championship back. And I look at his run, and my favorite part of his run was actually when he lost the belt to Randy Orton. Because mm. it was like a microcosm of exactly what he had to live through. He had to hit rock bottom to be able to pull himself back out, to be able to reach even higher heights. So I loved when he took that dip when he lost to Orton, then he went to SmackDown without the championship, stood mm. up to Roman Reigns, mm. and was like, I know it's going to be me and you. You know, it's that power of truth. <laughs> it's yeah. that knowing, it's that manifest destiny. You know, knowing where you want to be and getting there. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to interview uh, Chris Van Vliet, uh, the, the podcaster. Who oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I had the chance to interview him. That interview is going to be dropping probably uh, four or five weeks from now because we got a lot of them in the can for Jofo. And the thing that stuck with me the most in telling him about my ordeals and de dealing with all the problems that we have to deal with as a Canadian, which he himself had to deal with as well in acquiring his work visa for his work. And, you know, that's with three or four Emmys already in the bag. Uh, he still had to jump through hoops to, to, to get recognized in the United States. Mm -hmm. So he said that you need to have a specific goal because specific goals give specific results and have that laser focus to know that this is what I want. I'm not settling for anything less. That's what I'm putting all my work towards. And I think that that's what resonates with me and Drew McIntyre's story was he got fired. He said, I'm going to go back to WWE, show them they made a mistake, become WWE champion. He did it. So in his story, when he loses the belt to Orton, it's the same thing of I'm going to get it back. And he goes and confronts Roman before even having the belt saying, I know it's going to be me and you at Survivor Series. Then that Monday rolled around, he wins the belt, and we get the match. I love that bit of storytelling. And I think that, that Drew McIntyre, there is no better choice on Raw for someone to be the main protagonist, the leading man, the star. You know, if they said Monday Night Raw starring Drew McIntyre, I'm watching that because <laughs> he's got all the tools. He's got the mic. He's got the look. He's got the ring work. And he worked to get those things. None of that was given to him. He had to work. You look at Drew McIntyre when he first debuted to Drew McIntyre now, he had to work to get all those things because he did not have those tools when he first got signed to WWE. Um, now, shifting it over to Roman, uh, he's reinvented himself as a tribal chief. Uh, I think it was long overdue. And I think that we are now seeing the best version of Roman yeah. Reigns on SmackDown week after week. Um, I think that, you know, when I look back at his run, 
I liked how it was kind of subtle at first. You know, he comes back, he takes out Braun Strowman, he takes out the Fiend. People are cheering him or as cheering him as they can in the Thunderdome with artificial reactions. But I know that from reading online, you know, people were happy to see Roman come back. Yeah, and yeah. then I think he brought the best work of his career, especially on the microphone. Because I mm -hmm. think for the longest time, the biggest knock on Roman was not his wrestling. I mean, Roman, he's a great athlete. He's willing mm -hmm. to take a lot of punishment. Kind of reminds me a lot of John Cena in that way, where John yeah. Cena, yeah. to me, wasn't a great athlete or wasn't that good of an athlete. You know, he's not a, a, your typical athlete. Like, he's a hard worker. Don't get me wrong. He can lift a lot of weights. He looks the part. But he wasn't, you know, super athletic or anything. But John Cena was always willing to put everything on the line to make a match good. He'd, be, he'd go in there. He'd take a beating. He'd go through tables. He'd take all kinds of bumps to make sure his match was good. He would do whatever he would have to do on his end, defensively and physically, to make sure that the people got their money's worth. And I always appreciated how hard of a worker John Cena was. And it's no secret, one of the best on the microphone. You know, I always think back to when he had that, that face-off with The Rock, where he, uh, he came out, he did, he did that, did that rap against The Rock. But then, like, that whole rivalry, man, like, he's the only one to make The Rock, like, stutter and trip over yeah. his head. Yeah. I was uh, like, it was a little, little cringeworthy for me. I'm like, I've never seen The yeah. Rock like this before. Yeah, I watched that again. Like, pointing out the notes yeah. on, his, on his wrist. I was on like, his wrist, yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. respect <laughs> on Cena's name because when he wants to bring it, he can bring it better than, than anybody in the game, and he proved it there. But, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, because – it comes with a negative stigma, but like I've been a John Cena fan since way back when. Like uh, I remember, I got Cena's original uh, white and blue T-shirt from like back in uh, back in like when he just started doing the rap gimmick. And yeah. uh, like I've, I've always liked John Cena because he brings it on the mic. And regardless of what people think about, oh, he does five moves or what, man, he, he's willing to do whatever it takes for a match to be good. I did an interview with Sabu. And he put over how great his match was with John Cena, which I happened to be there to see that live. I believe it was in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was there to see it live. And the bump Cena took, the, the Sabu giving him the leg drop through the table, he, he was absolutely fearless. And that's kind of, as a performer, what you have to do. When you want to put on a good performance, it's not always, I got these moves that I do, and I'm going to you know, jump off the top rope, and I'm going to hit this big you know, power bomb on you. Sometimes it's a lot of, okay, I'm going to, take a big bump and I'm going to sell and I'm going to get the people to be worried about me. I'm going to, I'm going to be vulnerable, but I'm going to also show the people I can come back from that. See, like someone like Terry Funk, I always say Terry Funk was the master of that. Terry Funk, you watch, you watch his matches. He looks like a, like an old man that that's on the verge of croaking. But then, <laughs> oh man. I'd be scared a number of times. It's like by the time he makes a comeback, you're like, man, I'm with this guy. Just like, yeah, like good for him. Like, and, and that's, you know, the basis of selling and why it's so important. I think that that goes so underrated with John Cena when he would fight these monsters. He's got his match with Brock Lesnar from um, right after Mania. I, think, I, I, I forget what pay-per-view, like Extreme Rules. Mm. One of my all-time favorite matches. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, I, I talk about my all-time favorite match. That match may be my all-time favorite match because of the level of brutality yeah. and that Cena legitimately overcame the beating of his life. And I dare say, I don't know how many street fights he's been in, but I don't think he's ever taken a beating that big <laughs> in real life at any point. <laughs> and that's what wrestling, that's what wrestling is. It's making the people believe, you know, yeah. you could believe him and Brock had beef. You could believe Brock was taking liberties on him. 
Whether he did or we did, he didn't, we'll never know unless they want to tell us. But watching that match, you show that match to anyone who's never seen wrestling, you will ride the wave of emotions that every match is supposed to take you through. You'll love the baby face, you'll feel sympathy for him, you'll hate the heel, and then by the end of it, you'll be like, wow, I can't believe he overcame that. To me, it's the modern day Hogan and Andre. Yep. Yep. But getting back to Roman, since y'all asked me, and I know we're running late on time, uh, <laughs> you do a great work. My only criticism of Roman and the Tribal Chief, and you know, I'm, I'm not really positioned to criticize him because he makes a lot more money than me, but I am the harbinger of truth, so I speak my mind whether people like it or not. You know, you, you, you can hate the messenger, but the message stays the same. Um, I, would, I, I believe Roman could do this on his own. I don't think he needs Paul Heyman. Mm. I think for me, if this were just Roman, head of the table, Jey Uso, yeah. it'd be all good. I feel that Heyman, it's kind of like, it's kind of like having a crutch when you got two good legs. You know, mm. Roman is bringing the best promo game of his life, and then you got Heyman kind of there just collecting a paycheck. You know, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, Paul Heyman's been very nice to me. Uh, I had the chance to meet him. He actually came to my gym because he was looking to tan, and I kind of helped him out, hooked him up, and we talked for quite a bit the next day at TV. I happened to be having a tryout the next day. Stars just align at some points for these kinds of things. Uh, but, I, I, again, no slight on Paul Heyman. He, he's a made man. I don't think that Roman needs him there with him. Roman is more than capable on the microphone, and he's bringing the best mic work, the best acting, the best physique as well. He's, he really he's got himself into shape over time here during uh, his time away. He's on top of his game and definitely deserving of where he is. And I think what's great about him and Edge is that Edge is probably one of the few people that is believable right now that could beat Roman Reigns. He had this whole long feud with Kevin Owens. Ain't no one believing Kevin Owens was going to beat him. I mean, maybe you guys did, but... No, no, no. I'm a, not my tribal chief. Uh, I'm a tribal chief. I, I, I gave Kevin one shot. I gave him one shot. Actually, no, I never predicted Kevin over him. 50% chance yeah, to win right. one of those pay-per-views. 50%? Yeah, I gave him 50%. <laughs> right now, Roman's on such a hot streak, I kind of feel like no one's taking that belt off him until The Rock comes back. And mm. I do think that match has to happen because yeah, he's really the head of the does. table in that family. You know? Yeah. Yes. I think I think Rock kind of stepped away, and I do think it is Roman without a doubt. But mm -hmm. I think that fight needs to happen. Yes. Now, I personally think we got to build up Roman as strong as we can until that match happens. Yeah, he'll have a few weeks where maybe the baby face will, you know, get a move in on him. You know, Daniel Bryan puts him in the label lock, whatever it may be. But I don't think he's losing that belt. Edge though has that sympathy story. Yeah. Wants to get the title back. But I personally think, and I hope this is going to happen, I personally think Roman will retain over Edge mm. because wow. I think it there, does a lot of there. business for everyone. Roman gets the yeah. win over a legend, yeah. and Edge also looks good in the eyes of the fans and everyone as yeah. not being one of these old guys, part-timers, that comes back and puts himself on top. I think it does good business if Edge puts over the tribal chief and helps to catapult Roman to an even higher stratosphere so that it prepares him for whoever the person is that beats him. Because whether it's The Rock or whether it's anyone else, you know the person that beats Roman Reigns for that championship, they are going to be a made man. And to mm. bring it all full circle, what I would love to see is I would love to see if it doesn't end up being The Rock, I'd love to see Drew McIntyre get another crack at Roman yeah. to avenge yeah. the loss from Survivor Series. Yes, yes, yes. I think if they ever wanted to unify the titles, I would love to see that match between Drew and the Tribal Chief. I think that whether they unify or not, because Raw and SmackDown, I mean, they're two different shows. You got, you know, Fox and USA. I think yeah. they both need champions. 
But I would love to see it be um, Drew McIntyre to bring it all full circle. Remember, you know, he's no longer WWE champion. Make him the Universal Champion. I mm-hmm. think that that would be the best way to do that. Um, but I don't see that happening for a long time. I think Roman is going to hold that title uh, probably longer than anyone. I mean, who was the longest Universal Champion? Was it uh, was it Brock? I think it was, I think Brock. It was Brock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been a negative stigma around the Universal Title. Like a lot of the champions, you know, Finn Balor gets injured in the first match. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brock holds the belt but doesn't defend it. Uh, yeah. Goldberg wins the belt, but but you know, should he have won the belt? It's, right, right. You know, it's it's one of those things where you need someone to have a long title reign to solidify that this is a legitimate title. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I think that Roman's reign, no pun intended, uh, needs to be a good long one. And then whoever beats him, whether it be Daniel Bryan, whether it be Otis, whether it be AJ Styles, I mean, that person is going to be a made man after they knock off the tribal chief. Yeah. You hear that, Hafiz? Oh, man, here we go. <laughs> you speak You speak in the you, – you, this music right here is my just a sound right to Devin right now, man. Tribal chief, that's his guy. That is his guy, 100%. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this this has been a treat, sir. This has been amazing. Um, thank you so much for just spending this time with us and chatting it up and just, you know, all things wrestling. Got a little MMA in there, man. Definitely had fun chopping it up with you on that. Um, you know, before we go, we always like to have our guests just kind of do a couple shout outs. Um, just anything you got going on, you know, the social medias that you're part of, everything. Just let the people know where they can catch you, man. Yeah, well, definitely you can catch me on Twitter at Jeremy Prophet. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Uh, I'm on Twitter just about all the time, you know, trying to catch up to you guys, get as many followers as you. Uh, you know, people don't, don't know about us when you're, when you're from Canada. So it's, it's a lot harder. But, yeah, if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, if you want to communicate with me, that's the best place to get in touch with me. You can find me on Instagram at the real Jeremy Prophet, spelled the exact same way. And, as always, you can hear me every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. on YouTube on Jofo in the Ring. And if I'm not roasting Kyle, then I'm definitely going to be breaking down the best in wrestling, giving you guys some amazing interviews, and giving you so much more of what you hear on here, the truth, the harbinger of truth, the uncomfortable truth. And uh, like I said, you know, this is the start of my crusade. So uh, pretty much I appreciate everyone that gives me an opportunity to have a platform to connect with yourself and your fan base. And, you know, this is a movement. You know, we're all, you're all coming along with me. You know, when I make it, when those barriers finally break down, when those doors finally open, when one of those big companies finally has the clairvoyance to see that I'm someone that can generate a ton of revenue for them, I will always remember all the people that came along for the ride. So if you're looking for a stock equivalent in the world of wrestling, you ought to invest in Jeremy Profit. It will pay some sweet dividends. Oh, man. Well, I am definitely investing, man. I am a fan. I am riding the wave with you. Let's go, man. Like, just it's, it's just awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank right. you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Devin, 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 please, please, sir. The floor is yours. Of course, Tell the of people course. where they can catch us. Yes, yes, yes. We're on a lot of various social platforms. I will go down the list. We got Instagram. We got Twitter. We got Facebook. We got a great Facebook group page called Clark Street Wrestling Community as well. We got 124 people in that group looking to get to that goal for 200 by WrestleMania. So just go ahead and look for us on Facebook. Go ahead and join us, and we will embrace you with open arms. And I can't forget about TikTok. 
TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, of course. And we have over 2,000 followers. Next goal is 3,000 followers, baby. So help us out. Look for that TikTok page and go in and hit that follow for us. And there's only one website. You can find all those various social platforms. One stop and shop to make it simple. That is ClarkStreetWrestling.com. ST for the abbreviation. We have all our episodes linked to YouTube, by the way, which we're over that 101 subscribers, I should say. 101. So thank you for all of our subscribers <laughs> following us on YouTube, making that transition from audio to visual, looking at these beautiful black men, I should say. Yes, I can say that. Beautiful black Bald and men. beautiful. Bald and beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Look at the attributes. Look at the attributes. <laughs> What's up, babe? Hey, wifey. <laughs> yes. And I can't forget about our merch, our lovely merch. We have, let me get my model hand going on. Let me get that ready. Beautiful merch like this beautiful notebook. Look at that. Look at that. You get down, take notes like me. Uh-huh. Or this beautiful merch right here, this tank right there. Clark Street Wrestling Tank. We have shirts, mugs. We have masks, neck gators. We got all that good stuff right on the Clark Street Wrestling website right there for our store link or clutchy wrestling forward slash store click on that for all your pleasure yes yes and with that said that is gonna do it for this episode once again jeremy prophet thank you so much it was it was a pleasure yes. and hey let's all ride this wave together so absolutely jeremy prophet i'm a fan we're all fans we were in this with you thank you so much for the time it was an honor, sir. Oh, and so I'm a with- fan of you guys. Thank you so much for having me on here. Uh, you know, love exchanging ideas with wrestling fans, fellow people in the podcast community. We all got to stick together. And that's what I always say when I end these things is that I love the fact that it don't matter where you're from, you know, there are no borders when it comes to enjoying professional wrestling. It don't matter yes. where you're from, what color you are, what language you speak. Wrestling can unite us all. And that's why we like to say that wrestling is life over at Jofo because it really is. And it's given me a chance to get to know some of the greatest people around this world. And anytime you guys want me to come back on here, I'll be happy to do it. You know, it is, it is just as much a pleasure for me as I do feel it is for you guys. And uh, you can never get too big to help out those around you. So, you know, if ever you guys want to come on my show, I'll be happy to have you on there too. I think we need to grow this podcast community because like I said, when one of us wins, we all win. We're like the new day. Right. You know, free bird rule. You know, we're, we're all <laughs> yes. Bring everyone yes. <laughs> love it. Love it. Oh, man. With that said, perfect way to end it. For Jeremy, I'm Hafiz, Devin as well. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the Clark Street Wrestling Podcast.